We want to look at Psalm 23, which has like probably been preached to death, if you think about it, over the years. Even when I would say I didn't know God or cared about God, I want anything to do with God, I knew Psalm 23. I didn't know it off by heart, but I knew that the Lord is my shepherd. Do you remember when you were in church as a kid in Mass? The Lord is my shepherd. Do you remember that song? Yeah, okay, I'm not going to sing all of it. But anyway, I wouldn't have done a good job in it anyway. But I knew the Psalm. But I never, it never dawned on me what it was actually all about. Because when I thought of a shepherd, so a lot of you probably aren't going to be old enough to remember this, but do you remember, it, it used to be a thing on the telly called One Man and His Dog. And it was, it, it was an English program, right? And it was shepherds with a dog, and they were driving sheep through fields and making them go through gates and, and all that stuff. Did anyone see the movie Babe? Do you remember the movie Babe with the little pig? Okay, right. So, do you remember the competition and the pig went out and he got everybody, all the sheep walked behind him like two by two and all that, right? So, that's not what like one man and his dog is. He used to have the dog biting at the sheep's legs and biting at their bones to make them run into where they wanted them to go. And the dog basically frightened the sheep into doing what they wanted. And in my head, that's what a shepherd was. And you know what? That fitted for a long time about what I thought God was, to be honest with you. I thought God just wanted to corral me into doing things his way so that I wouldn't be out doing things my way and enjoying myself. And if you remember back to when we were talking about the Ten Commandments only a couple of weeks ago, or last week, or whenever it was, my memory's gone. Um, and that whole thing about that, it's not just about God wanting to, to, to kind of catch us in this thing and then catch us out doing something wrong so he can get us. It's about when we're living from that place of love and grace and acceptance that those Ten Commandments become promises of how we live rather than rules that we have to keep. And this image of a shepherd is very much of that shepherd who loves, who gives his life for the sheep, who cares. We were in a place, um, Menorca, I think the island was, in, on one of them Spanish islands, a couple of years back, maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, on a holiday, and we saw a shepherd of an Eastern kind of way in that he was walking no, we weren't actually sheep, they were goats. But he was walking ahead of a flock, and they were all following him like kids follow their mummy. And he was turning around, he was going, and whatever the name was, and the thing had come up and walked beside him. I have never seen anything like that. Because in my head, sheep were what we saw on Irish farms. They just went everywhere, stupid, done stupid things, which they do, but they had a dog chasing them to make them go where they wanted to go where the, the farmer wanted them to go. Do you, know, do you know the kind of thing I'm talking about? Or you're driving up the hills and there's a bloody traffic jam with 400 sheep on the ground and you're like, get out of my way. But Jesus is our shepherd. But he's not the shepherd who has a dog who's biting us. He's the shepherd who walks ahead of us, who goes where we have to go, or has already gone where we have to go, who's already been through the tough times, who's already been through the rejection and the pain and the betrayal, and the hurt, and the physical pain, and the emotional pain, and the spiritual pain. He's been through that whole feeling like he's on his own in the world because God and all has rejected him. He's gone ahead of us. And he's calling us to walk behind him. And in Psalm 23, I think it gives an amazing description of what that can be like for us, if we want to do it. And I just want to read it for you. From, this is from the NIV version. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. 
He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, just pray a bless your word. We could spend 10 weeks just taking that apart. And I have probably 10 minutes and 15 minutes. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. Okay, lying down in green pastures and leading me beside quiet waters don't really mean much to me. I'm from Crumlin. Do you know what I mean? Green pastures for me is sundry peck. And like... That's the reality of it, isn't it? We, we don't understand the language because we're not farm people. We're not she- I'm not a shepherd. I, I don't get all of that. Quiet waters, maybe because it's a houseboy ban. Actually, this is on an aside. I saw a really interesting quote the other day. I think it was on Thursday. It said, this day, three months, we had snow and no bread. And now we have sun and no water. What is Ireland coming to? I mean, Janey, Mac. Anyway, um, but I do know this bit, I shall not be in want. If Jesus is my shepherd the way I'm describing him, he is going to lead me to places that are good. You might have to go through tough times to get there. But a shepherd's job was to bring sheep where there was going to be food. So he led the sheep. He went looking for where there was grass. Because they didn't have them big bales of stuff, what do they call a silage or whatever, for to feed them with. They didn't have nice little pens where they just brought all the food to. They got the flock. And they went wandering with the flock until they found somewhere where there was grass for the sheep to eat. He had to leave them beside quiet waters because if he let them beside a river that was rough, they're a bit stupid, so they'd get in and get wet. And then the river, it pulled them away because their wool would be so heavy with the wet. And I often think, God has led me to loads of places where I don't eat grass, but where there's been loads for me to feed on. Spiritually, emotionally, relationally. He's given loads of me. I've been in times when I had nothing too. But he's, he's led me to them places of good, of good pasture, whatever word delicacy, I suppose. Sheep have delicacies in grass. They like one grass better than another. I don't know. I don't like American grass. Sorry, no offense. But it's like really different to Irish grass. Their grass is much softer and smaller and, and I'm sure that the sheep probably like it better too. But it's much easier for walking on in your bare feet. But, um, but there is something about knowing what the sheep need and the shepherd bringing them to that place. When the sheep don't even know themselves. Because sheep will just keep eating grass until there's nothing left and there's just dust. They'll go right down to the ground. The shepherd's job is to bring them away so that he gets them into somewhere where there's fresh grass. And then he gets them somewhere where there's water. They're the two basic needs we need as people. Food and water. The shepherd's job is the one who does that. He takes care of it. All through the scriptures, Jesus said, don't be worrying about stuff. I will take care of the stuff. If you trust me and you look to me, I'll take care of it. If you want to go off and do your own thing, you can. But if you look to me, who of you by worrying for a day can change your hair on your head? And God takes care of the sparrows. God has Anne and Sergei buying nuts and seeds for the sparrows. We have a little farm of sparrows in our back garden at the minute because they're feeding them. And God, I'm, like I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm actually sitting there going, God's got them too feeding.
the sparrows. But the sparrows are happy out. These little birds that none of us would even think anything about. But God has organized for them to be fed. If he'll do that for a sparrow, what more would he do for you? And you're sitting there maybe going, well, I'm not stuck for food. I have food. But what other food are you needing? What spiritual food do you need? What emotional food do you need? What relational food do you need? What financial needs have you got? God is the one who will supply all of them. He will lead you beside the quiet waters where you can get a drink without the risk of being drowned. Where you can get a drink without the risk of being overwhelmed by something. And he restores my soul. How many times have your soul needed to be restored? And there's nothing on this planet that can restore your soul. Nothing on this planet that can restore my soul. I've tried it. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, it doesn't do it. It doesn't restore our soul. It makes us forget it. I'm not even going to say it makes us happy. It makes us forget the pain, maybe for a short time. But then the pain comes back. Usually worse, because now we have the shame that goes with whatever we're at to do for to try and get rid of it in the first place. But God is the one who can restore our soul. Who can actually fill that place where, where we have that hole inside of me that I tried to fill with all them other things. And Jesus was the only thing that ever actually filled it. It's the only thing that ever actually filled it. says he guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake and that's a bit like what I was talking about with the Ten Commandments see for God's namesake he saved us because he wanted us he wants us in his kingdom he wants us with him in heaven there was something that changed in my thinking about God funnily because I went for training for a job interview because when I went for this training, these people said to me, do you know when people call you for a job interview, they want to give you the job? I never thought that. I never thought that way. I always thought a job interview was to catch me out why I wasn't good enough for a job and I had to prove something. But actually, if you've made an application for a job and you go and somebody gets in, I was talking to someone yesterday or Friday who's, in, who's going to be interviewing for a job in a couple of weeks, and he's got like 20 applications and he's going through them looking for the people that he wants to interview because he thinks these are the people he wants for the job. So he's going to have five or six people in. He wants to give every one of them that job. He just wants to give them an opportunity to prove he's right. I used to think they were trying to find an opportunity to prove I was wrong. I thought the same about God. Because now when I go to God, I realize he wants to be with me. He wants to be with you. He wants you to want to spend time with him. He's not up there going, oh, for God's sake, here's your man again. Which is the way I am with lots of people. Or lots of people are with me. The reality of it is, he wants to spend time with us. He wants it. He wanted us so much that we were, we, while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. We love him because he first loved us. All of this stuff is there. All of this love and grace and mercy is there so that we can walk and be one of the good shepherd's sheep. Being a sheep is probably not the most complimentary thing you've ever been called in your life. I understand that. 
But when you think of the job of a shepherd, a shepherd's job was that they would lay down their life for the sheep. Jesus laid down his life for us. He gave everything he had so that we could have this with him. So that he could lead us in paths of righteousness. So he could show us, so his Holy Spirit could say to me, Brian, don't do that. That's not good, do this. That's going to lead you into trouble. That's going to lead you into whatever. Hassle, difficulties, problems with people, problems in your head and your heart. You're going to, your head's going to be melted over that. Don't do that. You'll be raging afterwards. Now, there's times I've ignored him and still done it. But he was right. I was raging afterwards. But he leads me. He doesn't bait me into it. He doesn't have a dog biting at my legs, driving me into something. He leads me. He calls me. He invites me. I just say when people serve in here, God invites us into being part of this. He doesn't need us to do this. He doesn't need hope to reach people. He just lets us be part of it. I'm not doing God any favors by leading hope. God's doing me a favor, letting me breathe. Never mind what I get to do as part of his kingdom. But he leads us. And then it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's an interesting switch in this. He's talking about God, and now he starts talking to him. And he wants us to talk to him, not just about him. He wants us to realize he's here. He's at home with you. He's in the car with you. He's walking in the street with you. He's in the shower with you. He's everywhere. There is no escape in the presence of God, just whether we tune into it or not. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Here's the thing. If God is really with me, and if I really believe the kind of stuff I say I believe, why would I be afraid of anything? The songs we sang this morning, how great is our God? Like, how great? Is he really that great? Do I really think he's that great when I'm in the height of it? Do I really think he's that great when I'm stuck for friends or money or something or I'm sick? I had a struggle mm, four weeks now going on with my leg and it's still going on. The struggle is to remember how great God is in the middle of it. And you know where he is great? He's given me the grace to deal with and keep going. He didn't heal it. He didn't fix it. But he's given me what I need to get up and manage every day. And that is still great. And we might walk through the shadow of the valley of death, but that doesn't mean that we have to go into death. Actually, the scripture promises that if, if we believe in Jesus, that we never die. We might transfer our place of residence from this planet to heaven or to the new earth, but we're not dying. We're just moving. I'm looking forward to trading this body in and getting a new one. It's starting to fall apart. Do you have one of them cars where you're going, this definitely need to trade in? Yeah, the body's getting there. It's 100,000 miles on it and it's looking bad. It's not going to pass the next few NCTs unless I get something done with But the reality of it is we get to stay alive forever with Jesus. We get to stay alive forever with God in his presence without the tears and the pain and the horrible stuff and the rubbish. I'll fear no evil because you're with me. 
your rod and your staff, they come for me. Honest to God, if you really, really, really believed in God, what has anybody on this planet got that they could make you afraid with? If he was really with me, what's the worst you can do to me? Kill me and send me to heaven? God, that's awful, isn't it? I mean, really, what can somebody do to me? They can attack me. They can make me broke. They can hurt me physically, maybe. And maybe they can kill me. Ultimately, if they kill me, they're sending me home. If they mess me about here, I know, because I know, because I know, not just because I read in Scripture, because I know because I've experienced him picking me up off the ground, brushing me down and fixing things, and making sure I was okay in the midst of all kinds of horrible situations. And I know if it ever happens again, he'll do the same, because he's faithful. And he doesn't walk away when things get tough. And he doesn't leave us when things get tough. He stays in the midst of the tough times, and he carries us through them. And that rod and staff thing, sometimes the shepherd used the staff, which was the big stick, to kind of, when the sheep was going somewhere dangerous or whatever, he kind of just pushed his head. Or he had the hook to pull him out of the river if he fell into the river. But he had a little club, which was the rod, which gave him a whack with if he was misbehaving, which is politically incorrect to say now, but he used to spank kids. He used to give them a slap when they were balls. Don't put your hand on the cooker, you'll burn yourself. Okay, don't put your hand in the cooker. They didn't put their hand in the cooker. The reality of it is, God's a good parent. But the shepherd knew by hitting the sheep, he would then put olive oil in it to make it better. So he caused him a little bit of pain, but the pain he was causing him was much less than the sheep was going to cause himself down the road. So have we been slapped by God? Yeah, lots of times. Have I needed it? Absolutely. I probably need a few more, many more before I'd be gone. But the reality of it is, if, and they're not all physical slaps that you give your kids, when you have adult kids, when you have adult friends, sometimes you need to pull it up to them. You need to kind of go, you're acting off the wall. What you're doing isn't good. It's not right the way you're behaving. You need to look at this stuff. And a lot of times people don't want to hear that from you. And a lot of times we chicken out of confronting those we, we love especially, or that we care about, because we're afraid we'll damage the relationship if we get honest with them. God's never afraid. God is never afraid of confronting us and saying to us, there's a better way of doing this than the way you are doing it now. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Um, When the ladies were at Cherish, Louis Gigolo did an amazing preaching on preparing a table in the presence of your enemies. So I'm not going to even attempt to talk about that. But if you want it, I'll send you a link for it that Gail sent to me. And it's an amazing teaching, just about those two lines of Scripture. And if it doesn't make you change the way you see how you're living your life, I don't know what will. But just remember that even though you're in the midst of people who might hate you and who want the worst for you, God is in the middle of it with you. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You anoint my head with oil with something that people did when they wanted to acknowledge that there was something great happening to this person. If they were anointing a king, they would pour oil over their head. If they were anointing um, a priest, they would pour oil. If they were anointing their children, they would pour oil. Oil had a healing substance. In our reference, we use oil as a, as a reference to the Holy Spirit. So we'd use oil, and it would be, you say, in confirmation in the Catholic Church. 
We use oil if we're having special days with kids here and we're praying with them, we, we'll anoint them with oil because we're anointing them for the Holy Spirit to come. Um, but here's the bit I want to finish with this. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I know that when I lived without Jesus, the shame and guilt followed me all the days of my life. And I call them like the hounds of hell because I never had peace. I would pretend I didn't care. I would pretend that the stuff I was doing was okay. But when I was on my own in the depths of my head, when there was no one else around, shame and guilt were huge. And they followed me everywhere. There was no escaping them. But I know the day that I gave my life to Jesus, the day I asked him to take over, the day that I made a decision that I wanted to live the life that he had for me rather than the life I had had, that I know from that day goodness and mercy started following me. And if you want to call shame and guilt the hounds of hell, you can call goodness and mercy the hounds of heaven. And here, do you see what this says? It says, surely, surely. Not surely like the Australians. Surely. Okay? Surely. For real. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Goodness and mercy are going to follow me. Absolutely. Will it feel like that all the time? Maybe not, because some days I might be going through the valley of the shadow of dark. Death. I might be going through a dark place. But surely even in that place, goodness and mercy are going to be following me. They're going to be trying to catch up on me because God wants to bless me. And when I say me, I mean us. I don't just think I'm special. God wants to bless every single person in this room. He wants to bless everyone in this community, even those who don't want to know him. He wants to bless them. He wants that power of grace and love to flood into their life and set them free. He wants goodness and mercy to be part of their normal day. What would goodness and mercy look like in your life? What if tomorrow morning you woke up and you got a belt of goodness? What would that be like? What if you got a belt of mercy? What would that be like for you? Because it's going to be different for you than it is for me. It's going to be different for you than it is for the person sitting beside you. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. It's never going to stop. And I kind of mess it up. His goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. And my promise is that I'm going to dwell with Jesus in God's presence forever. And that promise is for everyone. If you've accepted Jesus, if you've sat and had a conversation with him and gone, you know what, I do need you. I know there's more than this world. I know there is more than this life. I know, I remember one of the things that, that struck me, the older I've got, and I realize more and more and more as I go on that I am actually a spiritual being having a human experience. Because inside of this body, which may be falling apart, there is a spirit that's alive and well. And that's me. That's who I am. The body thing is just what's carrying it around. And you know that as you get older, because as you look in the mirror, you're kind of going, oh my God, look at that. Because inside, you don't think you look like that. And then you look and you go, oh, right, okay. 
or something hurts and you go, oh, Janie, what's wrong with my leg? That's not me, it's my leg. It's not me. That spirit is going to live on forever. And that spirit is the thing Jesus wants to set alive. And he wants to set free. And he wants to flood with love and mercy and grace. So that out of that, out of us then, is going to flow rivers of grace and mercy and love into other people's lives. And then we will all together get a chance to live in heaven. Whatever that's going to look like. I don't think it's going to be angels floating on clouds or harps. I hope it's not. Anyway, that'd be very boring. I can't see heaven being boring. Because I don't want to say something. My journey with God has been anything but boring. 30 years, never one day has looked the same as the other. Never. It's full of life. So Lord, I want to pray for every person in this room. I want to pray that you will be their good shepherd in a way that they will know that you are their shepherd. That they will know the grace of God in their life. They will know the presence of God in their life. They will know the strength of God in their life. They will know you leading them into times of goodness, leading them into times of blessing, leading them into safe pastures, leading them beside quiet wars. Lord, that they will know beyond the shadow of a doubt as they leave this place that they are nestled in your hands and that you have them. Lord, I pray your blessing over everyone in this room. I ask you to make a face shine on them. I ask you, God, that you would just lift up their hearts, lift up their, their faces, lift up their minds. May they know and experience the fellowship of your Holy Spirit every day this week. May they experience your peace in their hearts. When they lie down at night time, may they have peace. May they be able to sleep. May their heads and their hearts be at peace because you are in the midst of their life. And no matter what they're going through, Lord, no matter what tough time or easy time they're going through right now, I pray you would continue to lead them. And I pray that they would come to a place where they acknowledge that you are leading them. I ask you to bless your people, Lord. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. May have a great week. Amen.